like Flurgin, more Flurgin Durgin. I'm the cock of the walk. I'm a bonesman. <laughs> These people are out of their minds for William like, Howard Taft. Welcome to episode 27 of the Presidential Podcast, where we go from 1 to 45 in under 90 and discuss the life, legacy, and little-known facts about every American president. Season 2 is sponsored by who, Russ? Greeks Pizzeria. That's right. Place your order today at GreeksPizzeria.com. Blaine? It's our taste. <laughs> that was a little it low was energy. was lackluster. It's our taste. There it is. Hey, I'm Ryan, joined by Blaine and Russ. Blaine, you name the episodes, and you do the books, and you pick the booze. Tell the good people all about that. So this episode is about William Howard Taft. The book is titled The William Howard Taft Presidency by Lewis L. Gould. It was written in 2009, and it is 215 pages. We are now 26 presidents in, and our running page tally is 11,222. We do it all for you, uh, because uh, about a year and a half ago, you found a list of a gentleman who had basically read every biography on every president possible as part of some academic marathon that he was on as a historian and ranked them. And we were having breakfast one day, and we decided, hey, let's pick one of those books. Mm -hmm. And then we said, well, we might as well do a podcast as well. So <clears throat> almost to 12,000. So um, this episode yeah, what are we calling is it? called The Judge. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Not to be confused with the revolver uh, shotgun called The Judge. Oh, Oh, that's a thing. I didn't know about that. Yeah, that's a thing. It's There's, like a Wild West thing, or no Southern. Oh, There's, it's still it, out. It's a thing. Oh, it's still? a thing that exists. Yeah, it's a revolver. A, it's a revolver that holds shotgun shells. Wow. It's mostly used in hunting to like take care of snakes. Huh. Like if you're out hunting, you keep it on your hip. Okay. But the reason it's called the judge is because there was a judge in like Louisiana. Yeah. That kept one under his bench. Oh. Just in case anybody got out of hand. Oh, cool. <laughs> so for today, we're drinking a beer called. Fat tire. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> He's not even here to defend himself. <laughs> this is a, uh, many of you guys have had this before. This is a, a New Belgium amber ale uh, from Colorado. Fat tire. Blaine, thank you. And thank you to our mystery alcohol sponsor out there who, for reasons of the Ghostbuster, yeah, trying to keep his job, uh, would prefer to remain anonymous. <laughs> uh, thank you for the booze out there. Cheers, boys, to William Howard Taft. <laughs> All right, what do you remember about uh, Taft from social studies? Really fat. Mm -hmm. Allegedly got stuck in a White House bathtub. Yep. Although I don't think that's true. It is not, and we'll get into it. <clears throat> that was mine as well. I just remember the bathtub. That's about it. You Russ? Yeah, fat I feel like bathtub. there was, there was an Animaniacs joke about Taft, and I don't remember what it was. It was probably about his size or yeah, was, a bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, Animaniacs was a great show. Yeah. Yeah. He was born in the Mount Auburn section of Cincinnati, Ohio. One of our eight, I think, presidents who were from Ohio. Eh, give or take. Uh, on September 15th, 1857, to Alfonso Taft. That's a great name. And his mom, Louise Torrey. What, what song is this? Oh, I'm just talking about Taft. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Can you dig it? I can totally dig it. Uh, he was a physically active child. Uh, he loved playing baseball, and he took dancing lessons despite his early onset childhood obesity. He was born 21 inches, 300 pounds. <laughs> 300 <laughs> I thought about that today. I was like, that, that might hit. Sure enough, Russ almost did just a spit take right there. 
<laughs> Can you imagine how dense that child would have been? Uh, the Taft family was not wealthy, uh, but they lived in a, in a modest home. He had two half-brothers, two brothers, and one sister. His dad was Grant's attorney general. Did we cover that? Yes, and his war secretary. Okay, uh, we did cover that. Uh, no, we didn't cover okay. it, but yes, you, you're right. You're right. Uh, he was a judge, an ambassador, war secretary, and attorney general under Grant. President Arthur appointed his dad, Alfonso, to serve as minister, or the title of ambassador in those days, to Austria-Hungary and Russia. William really looked up to his dad. He modeled his sensible, kind, gentle demeanor and always tried to keep his emotions under rigid control. His dad was politically active in the Republican Party, and he served on Cincinnati's city council, and he sought unsuccessfully the 1875 Republican nomination in the Ohio governor race. His mother uh, was energetic. Her name was Louisa, and she organized a local and statewide kindergarten movement, an art association, book clubs, French and German clubs, and she traveled widely with her husband on his diplomatic missions. What is a kindergarten movement? Uh, she tried to get kindergarten to be a thing in Ohio. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what do you think it was? I was just like activating. Uh, and, and what, do you, what do you call it when you get a bunch of people to start protesting? A children's um, Rebellion. Yeah. Like yeah. just, what do you call that? When you like rile people up to get them to come. Uh, yeah, uh, rabble rouser? Yeah. Uh, like, but doing that with kindergartners. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys don't like these snacks? Put down the Let's blocks. go march about it. Yeah. <laughs> Goldfish. Yeah. One of the kids was like, well, I'm against picketing. I just don't know how to show it. <laughs> it's a bitch headbird joint. William lived in constant fear of not meeting his parents' expectations. No matter how well he performed in school, he was always anxious about their approval. Nobody can relate to that. No one at all. <laughs> He studied at a well-regarded private school in Cincinnati called the Woodward High School, graduating in 1874, second in his class, with a four-year GPA of 91.5 out of 100. He graduated and then... What a weird GPA system. I know, right? Out of 100. What's your GPA? Like 84? Wow. Wow. 3.8. <laughs> Thought that was good. When he graduated from high school in 1874, he chose for his graduation ceremony address the subject of women's suffrage, telling the audience about his progressive parents. Taft's large variations in his body weight that we've mentioned, uh, according to some scholars, stemmed from his social and family anxieties. He went on to Yale College where oh, he... Oh, are you saying he ate his feelings? Yeah, well, they okay. are. Yeah, they're <laughs> saying it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. hold on. He was pro-women's suffrage? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to need to put a pen in that. Okay, great. He went on to Yale, where he ranked second out of a class of 121 students. While he was there, he was Yale's intramural heavyweight wrestling champion. Shocking. Which makes sense. He was also a member of the infamous Skull and Bones Secret Society. Papa Alfonso Taft co-founded the Skull and Bones, the Secret Society, as a Yale student in 1832. Two future presidents would also be Bonesmen, as they're called. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're called when you're in the Skull and Bones Society. A bonesman. I'm the cock of the walk. I'm a bonesman. Father and son, George H.W. and George W. Bush were both bonesmen. And those are the only three. Taft, yep. H.W. and Dub. Now, there have been many other influential members of American society, but those were the only three presidents who were former members. I want to do a bonus episode about that. Yeah, well, John Kerry, Senator John Kerry, when he and W. were in, what, what year was Cahoots. that? Yeah, they were running against running each against other. each other. They couldn't talk about it. I guess there's a rule that, like, when you're in the room with another bonesman, that like you acknowledge <laughs> each other, but you don't talk about being in 
uh, Skull and Bone. So all W could say is, why the long face, John? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Taft also received the honorary title of Magog while he was a Bonesman, <laughs> meaning he had the most sexual experience while in the secret club. What? <laughs> yep. Yeah, Taft got around. After Taft graduated from <laughs> Yale in 1878... <laughs> He later pursued a law degree in Cincinnati. While there, he covered courthouse news for the Cincinnati Commercial Newspaper to help pay his way as a law student. Where did he get his law degree from? I don't know. He he pursued a law degree in Cincinnati. That's a good that's a good question. I don't know. Man, I hope it wasn't Xavier. I would hate to hate him. I don't know many other schools in Cincinnati besides Xavier and, and Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah. I don't know. There's got to be other ones. Not a lot of great options. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, he opened a private practice after a brief stint as a tax collector. He then became one of Jesus' disciples. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Sorry. Only like a very few people very are going to get that joke. As I heard tax collector, I was like yeah. thinking a little Zacchaeus climbing up in the tree. But then the branch breaks because he's 300 yeah. pounds. So I was going to go there if you didn't. Oh, God. Russ, you uh, go ahead, Russ. Those are is that where tech. he flips the table? Or is that no. That's another scene. <laughs> these are, the diff- one I know these are books that it's you're not aware one. of, Russ. They're okay. not your Gosh. books. That's my favorite They're the newer scene. books. University of Cincinnati College of Law. Oh, okay. So he was a bear cat. Well, yeah. it's better than the alternative. Uh, being a uh, Xavier... Musketeer. Oh, is that what they are? Well, that's not what I call them. Really? That's what... That's what the... I'm not allowed to say on the radio. Yeah, that's fine. He was uh, appointed a tax collector by President Chester Arthur. Within a few years, he was appointed judge of the Superior Court in Cincinnati. And shortly after that, President Benjamin Harrison made the 32-year-old Taft the youngest ever Solicitor General of the United States. So he's really moving up fast within the legal world what shortly after graduating does college. a solicitor general do well generally they solicit um generally things hmm they show up at your door and they shouldn't be there but they have like a thing that they made that like no this says that <laughs> well I could. he was a <laughs> unitarian he was a unitarian which a lot of people back then associated with atheism they were like ah okay fancy word for atheist really yeah i'm I, it'll come up it'll come up his yeah. unit unitard. unitarianism his unitard <laughs> That's the clothes you have to wear going into a Unitarian church. <laughs> Go ahead. Do we Russ. want an answer to the Solicitor General? Oh, question? yeah. Love yeah. One, what please. does the Solicitor yeah. General do? Conduct or assign and supervise all Supreme Court cases, including appeals, petitions for and in opposition to. God, I'm so, so all. I'm so bored are they right defining now. all? God, it's terrible. No, that's what they're doing. They're yeah. defining the word all. Yeah. Yeah. As Real Depends lawyers. Yeah. Wait, we need Depends our, on we the need de- definition there, of but, is. Definition of all, all. Yeah. Um, I really source. like how you did the the ta thing there. Like, oh, did we want the definition <laughs> of solicitor general, or do you guys just want to screw around? Yeah, cool, yeah. cool. Uh, Taft married Helen Nellie Heron at her parents' home in Cincinnati on June nineteenth, eighteen eighty six. He was twenty eight. She was twenty five. Nellie equaled Taft's mother in intellect and energy. She accepted Taft's proposal for marriage in part because she saw him as a partner to fulfill her hope of a life in national politics and beyond that of Cincinnati. She actually wanted to be first lady. Yeah. That was her goal in life. Yeah. Her dad was at one point a law partner of Rutherford B. Hayes, and he had taken Nellie to the White House for President and Mrs. Hayes' 25th wedding anniversary. Young Nellie was so captivated that she said, I'm going to be first lady one day. In 1911, much later, she would celebrate her own silver wedding anniversary at the White House, filling the mansion with nearly 4,000 guests. I'll be 
the first lady i'll live in the white house keep going this is great i'll marry a fat guy and he'll be the one who takes me to dc oh man can you just imagine the hulking beast of William Howard Taft just <laughs> upon you? Is that guy singing Edwin McCain about my wife again? Oh, that's what it was. I didn't know we were parroting there. Good Edwin McCain reference, Blaine. No idea. What I want to know is, oh, has anybody gosh. followed up with Edmund McCain to find out if he became all of those things he promised? I've got an Edmund McCain story. Uh, I saw him playing <laughs> at the Bluebird in Bloomington, Indiana with some friends. And I had had several too many drinks. And I... Uh, I'm, I'm actually a big Edwin McCain fan at the time and still am. And after the show, he was cool enough to be outside because it's Bloomington, Indiana, and there's, it's the Tuesday night. And I wished him after his show, I said, hey, man, have a great show. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends quickly apologized for me and escorted me away. But I, I did see that, him chuckle. Yeah, I had friends that opened for him in like Norway. Oh, wow. Like a six or seven show thing. That's just impressive that Evan McCain has gigs over in the <clears throat> Scandinavian region. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if he translates his songs into Norwegian. <laughs> it's like, Flurgen, more Flurgen Durgen. <laughs> oh, man. This is this is becoming one of my favorite episodes about a very boring person. Gosh, I love that we don't just like do the boring stuff, but we get ourselves. Flurgen. <laughs> Just imagine a crowd of like 400 Norwegians, lighters in the air, <laughs> everyone's blonde, Just so Nordic. Let's go, Bore go burn a church. Again. Oh. oh my goodness. Mm. While living in Washington, D.C., as Solicitor General, Taft became close to Theodore Roosevelt, then a civil service commissioner. Taft later petitioned his fellow Ohioan, President William McKinley, to obtain Roosevelt's appointment as Assistant Secretary of the Navy. Against his wife's preferences in 1892, Taft accepted appointment as a judge of the 6th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals with jurisdiction over Ohio, Michigan, Kentucky, and Tennessee. While on that court, he also served from 1896 to 1900 as a professor of law and dean of the University of Cincinnati Law School. So he then went back to lead the school from which he had received his law degree, which is pretty cool to go back and serve at your alma mater and basically run the joint. Not as cool as like stepping in as president right after you graduate. Yeah, that's a good point. Nice James Garfield reference, Blaine. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. And with that, let's hear from one of our great sponsors. Yeah, let's take a break and open up one of these other fat tires. You're listening to the Presidential Podcast. We'll be right back. Blaine, you look different. Did you get a haircut? Oh, I did. Thanks for asking. Oh, it looks nice. People have been noticing more often since I've started going to Chop Chop Barbershop. Say that one more time. Uh, people have noticed more often since I've been going to Chop Chop Barbershop. Chop Chop. Yeah. It's this super cool, very clean spot over by 16th and College area. Oh, yeah. 16th and Yandis, if you will. Okay, I will. Here uh, in Indy. Yeah, super cool building, old school style barber shop. Anthony always fades me up well. He leads this diverse team of three other barbers. All three of my kids get their haircuts there. Even my wife gets her haircut. Oh, they there. do ladies' cuts yeah, too. From, you know, fades to braids and everything in between. I love that. And if I wanted more info, where could I go? I would check out personally chopchopbarbers.com. Okay, chopchopbarbers.com. From fades to braids to kitty cuts to the coolest barbershop there is. 
I don't want to look bad, so, so I'm going to go to Chop Chop Barbershop. Barbershop. Yeah. yeah. Doop, doop. Yeah. And we're back. Although content with his place on the 6th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals as a possible stepping stone to the Supreme Court, Taft knew that it was not enough for his wife, Nellie. She wanted the White House. When a telegram from President McKinley in January of 1900 summoned Taft to D.C., Nellie suspected that something was in the works. She would welcome her husband's appointment to the Supreme Court as a way of moving back to D.C., but she hoped the meeting with McKinley would open other doors, and her hope was soon fulfilled. Let's talk about the Philippines, because this is a pretty important stepping stone on his way to the Oval Office. Definitely opened other doors. All right, Blaine, <clears throat> take it away with the Philippines. What? You want me to you just can't do, do this? That. Ah, dang it. Okay. Uh, I know that the stick and MacArthur's dad was in charge when he got there. The yeah. dude that charged the hill in yeah, Civil War. That's right. You remember <clears throat> what his name was? Uh, it's a horrible name. <laughs> it's a lazy name. Donald. Arthur MacArthur. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's so great. <laughs> All right, so a little background on the Philippines. We win the Spanish-American War, and the Philippine Islands become a U.S. protectorate. President McKinley wanted Taft to go to the islands to set up a civilian government. This entailed drafting and implementing laws, a constitution, a civil service bureaucracy, so on and so forth. A civil commission was established toward that end, and McKinley offered to Taft the commission's presidency. Taft was hesitant to take this challenging job in a distant corner of the world, but Republican leaders maintained that this task would Distinguish him for future high office. Hold on. Yep. He also was hesitant to take it because he didn't personally believe we should be occupying the Philippines. Yeah. Go ahead. Open that up a little bit. That's opened. Good job opening it up. Though. Yeah. Man, <laughs> no, I just like, I yeah. thought that like, it's important to know yeah. that he did have personal objections to occupying the Philippines. Therefore, yes. uh, ipso facto, ah, hmm. he didn't want to go. But then those the folks from the Republican Party yeah. strong-armed him. And his wife urged him to take the job. They took their three children to the islands, where they lived like royalty for the next several years. Whoa, Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that got me, but it I don't know why I got you. Oh, man. Well, he quickly set to work drafting the island's constitution, which included a Bill of Rights that was nearly identical to the first 10 amendments of the U.S. Constitution, with the notable absence of He's like, of no, the... no, no, I came up with these on my own. <laughs> yeah, this is me. Like, they know. don't know. They don't know. <laughs> Who's James Madison? They think Madison? I'm a genius. <laughs> He's like, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to write the response to these, and then yeah. I'm going to write the response to the response. It'll be fine. It'll be great. <laughs> nice James Madison reference, Blaine. He's like, have that person hung. <laughs> oh, gosh. That escalated quickly. Well, well there was also... usurping your newfound presidency. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, new union. The the only thing that was notably absent to the Constitution was the right to trial by jury. Central to the new governance structure was the role of civil governor, which Taft was appointed to. He basically helped put in English language public schools, a transportation network, healthcare facilities. He also negotiated with the Vatican to purchase a ton of land in the Philippines for seven and a half million dollars at the time. And he distributed this land by way of low cost mortgages to tens of thousands of Filipino peasants. Hold on. The Vatican bought the land? The Vatican had the land. He negotiated with the Vatican to purchase 390,000 acres of church property. The Vatican owned land in the Philippines? Yeah. If you think about it, it's a Spanish... What? How is that surprising? Well, it's a Spanish colony. What do you mean, how is it surprising? It's on the other side of the stinking world. It's the Vatican. It's this big. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That I can... 
go over there and take over all that <clears throat> all over that land. No, that was good. <clears throat> that was okay. All right. That was pretty good. It, yeah. No, it wasn't. It Manny was Pacquiao. Right. You know, <laughs> you just you couldn't figure out and organically put it in. So you just oh, that's it. great. I sure did. I'm not gonna lie and say that I haven't tried to figure out how to do it myself, yeah. but I figured fine. While he was there, Taft twice turned down President Roosevelt's offer of a Supreme Court appointment in order to finish his work in the islands. Which I think is admirable because yeah. that's all he wanted to be, was a Supreme Court justice. Mm-hmm. That was his number one goal It was his life. lifelong dream. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted to be in charge of the Supreme Court. In Taft's own view, the Filipinos were not yet capable of governing themselves, and he believed that it would take years before self-rule would work there. Classic white guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Philippines. It's just a classic white guy thought like, nah, I don't Mm. think they're ready. I don't think, I think they need us whites to figure it out for them a little bit longer. I just don't know. Nelly, what do you think? (laughs) The Philippines did not achieve self-rule and independence until 1946, so a while after he was there. He then becomes Secretary of War from 1904 to 1908 under Roosevelt, and he became Roosevelt's chief agent, confidant, and troubleshooter in foreign affairs. Taft supervised the construction of the Panama Canal. He made several voyages around the world for the president. He supervised affairs in the Philippines, and he also functioned as the provisional governor of Cuba. He traveled more than any other cabinet minister at the time, with over 255 days of his four years spent abroad on special missions. He was gone so often that the press began questioning his huge travel expenses, partly because he almost (laughs) took (laughs) Nelly and at least one or two of his kids along. Every innuendo to his sizes. Just it's great, it, and you you didn't even mean to do that. No, I didn't. <laughs> Roosevelt, who was concerned about what the public would We're think get about this, so many fat shaming emails. Oh, we are. No. We don't even check our emails. Sorry, send Wait, them we all. We have an email address. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roosevelt asked Taft to have the voyages funded by Taft's wealthy brother Charles, who was already underwriting much of Taft's living expenses Chuck while Taft. he was in D.C. Chuck, Chuck Taft. Chuck Taft. Just put it on Chuck's tab. I don't know why there's something about that that has a Chuck, Chuck Taft. Chuck Taft. Shut your mouth. I'm talking about Chuck Dad. You would be wonderful in we an acapella can dig group. It. Oh, God. I wish you all could see Blaine's mustache right now. <laughs> they can. They saw there's a picture oh, that yeah. came out with the episode. Anyway, Roosevelt, having sworn upon his victory in 1904 that he would not seek another term as president, handpicked Taft to succeed him in 1908. The public joked that Taft stood for take advice from Theodore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Taft described the 1907 presidential campaign as, quote, one of the most uncomfortable four months of my life, which includes the four months that he was a 280-pound toddler. (laughs) Why is your baby sweating all the time? The Oh, gosh. Okay, a couple of things. So they started to have a a rift in the relationship after Brownsville. Sorry, yeah. yeah, TR and Taft, yeah. Russ, thank you for taking the bottle caps away from Blaine. (laughs) It's got to have a fidget toy, (laughs) y'all. Brownsburg. Brownsville. So he he delayed, like, actually actioning, putting out all the soldiers in the three battalions in Brownsville. Oh, I vaguely remember this. Yeah, you got to refresh my memory. Pretty important. Yeah. There was like a murder that had happened, and the townspeople said it was soldiers from That's this right. all-black unit. Yes. And okay. they were like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't us. Yep. None of them would talk. So they just kicked them all out of the army. Yeah. Taft thought that that was the incorrect way to do things, which is correct. Yeah. And so he wouldn't action it. And that's where the, the rift Started. started that's where they put the uh, the wedge wedge in the wedge in there 
So a lot of the reason TR endorsed him up front was because he knew it would look bad to run for what would look like a third term, yeah. even though it was his second term elected. Correct, because he was finishing because he, McKinley's term. Right. Yeah. The other Republican candidates were Philander Knox, Ooh. Charles Hughes. Okay. What? <laughs> Philander? Philander? Philander Knox. P-H-I-L-A-N. D E R. That's very close to philanderer. Yeah. Right. Wow. wow. <laughs> He's just a regular philander. And then uh, Maybe Charles, he was like Charles the Fairbanks. Fighter. Charles Fairbanks. Oh, yeah. He was one of the other from uh, Indiana. Yeah. From Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. He was a vice president. And we'll probably hear about another vice president today. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not yet there, but we will. Well, thanks in part to Roosevelt's popularity, Taft's victory over Democrat William Jennings Bryan was overwhelming. He carried all but three states outside the Democratic Solid South and won 321 electoral votes to Bryan's 162. In the final tally for the popular vote, Taft won 7.6 million, or roughly 52%, to Bryan's 6.4 million. Socialist candidate Eugene V. Debs won just 2.8% of the popular vote, about almost half a million votes. William Jenny Bryan. Uh-huh. He was a big silver guy. Yeah. In my opinion, the modern Henry Clay, modern to his time. Okay. He ran for president like three or four times and lost. Yeah. Remember Henry Clay? Sure I do. He just, just constantly bridesmaid. Yeah, never the bride. Yeah. That oh, was William Jennings, Jennings Bryan. Bryan. His name's hard to say. Yeah. The S is not where you expected. Bill be. Bryan would be a much better name. <laughs> yeah. Bill J. Bryan. Bill oh, J. Billy Bryan? Bryan? Billy Bryan. I'm a Billy Bryan man. Billy Bryan yeah. sounds like a catcher for the Mets. Yeah, with a mustache in, in like, like 1984. Yeah, <laughs> and Billy Bryan. Yeah, he's got 34 RBI this year. I'm trying to find a baseball thing to say, but I don't have any. <laughs> so sorry. Shocking. Worried that America's teddy bear mania would evaporate after Roosevelt's last term, toy manufacturers started producing stuffed Billy possums. <laughs> what? <laughs> Named in President-elect. William or Billy Taft's honor. I love that it's not a new thing that no one has new ideas. Yeah. Like, no one's ever had new ideas. They're just like, this worked. Oh, gosh. Let's run with this. What can we turn these bears into? <laughs> well, we can make them look terrifying and have Give them, them a long tail. We'll shave. We'll shave all yeah. of that. Keep going. The Tell me more. Off the top part. Yep, yep, yep. And we'll turn that into a really long tail. All right, good, good. And good. then uh, we'll have it eat everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can and their babies if- ride on their backs? <laughs> yeah. All right, great. Yeah. And then if, if anybody comes up on it, it'll yeah. just fall over and pretend mm. like it's dead. All right. All right. But hey. it'll be immune to ticks. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a prehensile tail on 10,000 of these things. Give me these billy possum. Get them out. That sounds like Jimmy Carter's brother. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Jimmy Carter's brother, Billy. The beer. Yeah, he had Billy Beer. We'll get into it. I haven't there's read the whole, Carter book. Yet. Oh, dude, there's a whole thing with his brother just oh, trying to cash in fine. on fame. Nice. <laughs> Billy Beer. Yeah. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey, if you love conversations like these and you want to get them early and ad free, oh, Billy Carter's somebody we're going to have to do a bonus episode on. Well, speaking of bonus episodes, Blaine, you can get bonus episodes on other influential Americans sent to you via email every time they come out when you become a patron at tier two. Now, tier one gets episodes early and ad free you just got to go to patreon.com slash presequential for tier two five bucks more a month you can get those bonus episodes we've done a lot we've done uh who have we done famous timothy dexter (laughs) (laughs) it is yeah uh we were just talking about samuel colt what was the lady's Uh, name pullman 
Yeah, Charles Pullman. Paul Revere. Paul Revere. Uh, and we were just talking about doing one on Little Richard, and we were oh, talking that's about doing one on, uh, who was the other one that we were going to do? Eugene Debs. Yeah, Eugene I think Debs. that's already aired. What's the woman's name? Nation? Carrie A. Carrie A. Nation. And there was a trip to Memphis, I believe we talked about. I don't know if that's aired yet. I don't know. That might need to come come around the uh, Little Richard episode, which is like a year from now. (laughs) Become a patron and shout out to you if you are a patron. Thank you so much for your support. All right, let's talk about Taft being president. Here we go. So he's uh, elected and his inauguration took place on March 4th, 1909 in the Senate chamber because of a blizzard. His inauguration marked the first time the first lady rode with the president in the procession from the Capitol to the White House after the inauguration. A eh, little fun fact. Being a Unitarian did hurt him yeah. in the election. So that was one of the things that we skipped over. He also, because he was in the Philippines so long, was said to have been pro-Catholic, which I don't Turn know if you guys century, remember. Not a, not a good thing. Yeah. Starting with the know-nothings. According to other people. Yeah. Starting with the know-nothings moving forward. The Catholics were not the most liked group of folk right. here. in the, Because I, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, it was because people were afraid they were going to put the Pope over the country. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that might have been an argument. Of course, none of us were around back then, and we're going to talk more about this in JFK's episode. But I think that was more for him, like he was going to essentially figuratively have to kiss the ring. Well, there's Pope. a conspiracy theory that's popped back up. That, oh, has like, there been? Oh, you believe in conspiracy theories? <laughs> <laughs> that the United States is not actually a country. It's a corporation that's owned by the Catholic Church. Oh. Uh, yeah, dude. It's huh. People are stupid. And that's underground. People the Denver, are so, that's so stupid. Underneath the Denver airport, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, once he's in office, Taft declared that he didn't give, quote, a tinker's damn. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't give a tinker's damn about how his decisions would affect his political prospects. His first effort as POTUS, was to lead Congress to lower tariffs. But traditional high-tariff interests dominated Congress, and Taft largely failed in his effort at legislative leadership. While he was president, he appointed six justices to the Supreme Court, which must have been a difficult task, considering even Nellie acknowledged that Taft, quote, never did cease to regard a Supreme Court appointment as more desirable than the presidency. So here he is appointing all of these justices when all he wants to be and has wanted to be for his life is is the Supreme Court Chief Justice. He slept in the White House the night before his inauguration because he still was friends with T.R. T.R., yeah. yeah. And I know we're jumping around a bit, no, but I, like I, I always forget how quickly you move at these. Scenes. We've also sung an Edward McCain song in Norwegian, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Yes, in Norwegian. <laughs> when he went into the White House, he was 300 pounds. Yeah. Within a few months, he had ballooned to 340, even though he exercised a ton. It's possible he had a thyroid problem. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he ex- he golfed a lot. He did golf a lot. So he would routinely shoot in like the 200s. And at one point, I think his highest on a hole was like 27. Wow. But he golfed all the time. Yeah. Like he's, I think that the, like people talk about, that's been a talking point in the last few years with both President Obama and President Trump. Yep. However, neither of them sniffed how much Taft or Eisenhower. Or Woodrow golfed. Wilson too. Or, right? Yeah, but Eisenhower and Taft were yeah. like otherworldly at how often they golfed when they were in the White House. Like Eisenhower had a house on Augusta and a a tree named after him. Yeah, and his love for golf really made a national boom. Like it doubled the number of players on public courses. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I mean, and and famously, Roosevelt 
hated golf because he didn't think it was athletic enough. I could see that being um, a stance that Roosevelt would take. Well, yeah, it's a dumb stance. <laughs> <laughs> the rare disagreeing with Teddy Roosevelt by Blaine. Look, man, I love playing golf. Yeah, yeah. The uh, what? Golf carts were not invented until 1932. <laughs> oh, so he walks out. No, he but walked. he 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 really did exercise a ton. Yeah. When he How was long in the do White you House? suppose it would have taken President William Howard Taft to take a, a full round of golf, a whole 18? I mean, if he's shooting 20 plus per hole, like six or seven hours. Yeah, I don't think he At played least. full rounds. I think he would go play when the time he had allotted. Yeah, because if you're sh- like if you're whacking at the ball that often like every hole is going to take a half hour to 45 minutes yeah how often do you do you no, whack no come on uh, towards the ball <sighs> there's a time and a place ryan <laughs> i got it. that was well crafted that was well crafted like well because i know you you're a golfer he towards look i'm not good yeah. at golf i'm like a 15 handicap 15.3 wow but i'm working on it all right yeah. uh <laughs> The first uh, step is admitting you have a problem. Oh, dude, I've played so much golf this yeah. year. <laughs> I haven't played golf. Russ, when was the last time you played golf? I don't play golf. No, he okay. won't. Have you he ever? To. Yeah, I've played it. <laughs> okay, you just refuse to from that point on. I've tried. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's... He nodded off a lot in meetings. People mm-hmm. think that he had sleep apnea. Yeah. Because he would just like... But I just... I mean, big people get tired. Big people got... <laughs> Big problem. No reason to stay away. Yeah, he would just doze off. <laughs> In this meeting. <laughs> Hold on, I do have a fun fact about that. Let me pull this up. Hold on. Nigga. <laughs> tired eyes and tired feet. Okay. <laughs> In a meeting, go beep, 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 go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Huh? So there was an Indiana senator named James Watson who said, quote, most of the time, Taft simply did not and could not function in an alert fashion. Often while I was talking to him after a meal, his head would fall over on his breast and he would go sound asleep for 10 or 15 minutes. He would waken and resume the conversation only to repeat the performance in the course of a half hour or so. (laughs) President Taft was also seen snoozing at operas, funerals, and especially church services. To be fair, all three places yeah. that are pretty easy to fall asleep. Just dozing off. He had narcolepsy. I think right? he was narcoleptic. <laughs> yeah. He would just fall asleep. Just, my, and then continue the conversation. Uh, I, my great-grandmother did that later in her life. We yeah. would be talking, and she would fall asleep and yeah. wake up and pick up right where she left yeah. off. Yeah. That, so it's a thing. So it it's a thing. Michael Gilly has narcolepsy. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I think you do. He Mike- sold knives at the flea market <laughs> in California. Wait, Michael Gilly? My oh, Uncle Gilly. Uncle oh, my Gilly. Uncle Gilly. I, I thought you said you Michael Gilly. He sold, knives. <laughs> he he sold knives at flea markets? Yeah. You don't know? Like, did he make these knives or did they? He, no. He's just he like, was a middleman. I got to get rid of these steak <laughs> like knives. Batman batarangs and all wow. kinds of stuff. That's pretty incredible. But he had narcolepsy and he would fall asleep <laughs> mid-conversation and wake up mid-sentence. Oh, God. It was great. A, a uh, knife salesman is the worst person. Yeah. <laughs> you see this He's blade like in here? in the middle me, of doing one of those butterfly things. Let me just show you how sharp, <laughs> sharp this is. Oh, man. So Paulina uh, yeah, was ahead. the milk cow. Oh, yeah, at the yeah, White yeah. House, mm-hmm. they sold milk bottles <clears throat> yeah. at fifty cents a piece. Yeah, 
She um, was a beautiful purebred Holstein. <laughs> she was. Was she from Wisconsin? Uh, no, she was a. Well, she was. She was a gift from Wisconsin Senator Walter Stevenson, and Nailed she grazed it. on the White House grounds. They, she she produced eight gallons of milk a day. He renovated, which was the White just House. enough for Taft. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was like, you could sell one bottle at fifty cents every day. I get the rest. Because uh, this was this, this pre Pasteur, pre Louis. Uh, it might have been around the same time because I remember us talking about Pasteur when Garfield was assassinated because he didn't Pasteur have something to do with like antiseptic processes. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. when Garfield was assassinated, like um, it was around, but it wasn't in practice. Yeah, he also built the Oval Office. Yes, he did on that's top right. of TR's tennis TR's court? tennis court. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> he was like, let me show you what I think about exercise. Yeah, yeah, I'm going golfing. Yeah. Early in Taft's term in May of 1909, his wife Nellie had a severe stroke that left her paralyzed in one arm and one leg and deprived her of the power of speech. Taft spent several hours each day looking after her and teaching her to speak again, which took a year. Hmm. He alienated Roosevelt, which, let me just back up. One, if you dream about being the first lady and you are the hostess with the mostess of the White House, and then you can't speak and you can't function, that's got to do something to your identity, I would think. If you're I would Nelly assume, Taft. especially at the time, in the way that a lot of people that were very religious believed yeah. at the time, she probably thought she did something wrong, hmm. and that this was some sort of deserved like, punishment. Yeah, God's God's wrath. Kind yeah. Of thing. Well, didn't McKinley's wife also suffer? She was epileptic, right? We might want to consider doing like a first lady's. Ailments bonus episode or something or or an ailments that's very niche. That's <laughs> yeah. very very. But niche. there's a lot of them. There's yeah. a lot of them that yeah, have yeah. very specific. There was the one lady that didn't like booze. Old lemonade Lucy. Oh yeah, Rutherford B Hayes' yeah. wife. Yeah, uh, Dolly Madison saved the portrait. Oyster uh, ice cream. Yeah, she had. A, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she saved the portrait of Washington as uh, uh-huh. as little Jemmy was riding away from D.C. Yeah. All right, but anyway, so Taft alienated Roosevelt when he attempted to break up U.S. Steel, a trust that Roosevelt had approved while he was president. <sighs> Taft also forced Teddy's forestry chief, Gifford Pinchot, to resign, which jeopardized Roosevelt's gains in the conservation of natural resources. So, Blaine, you had mentioned earlier that the rift started when Roosevelt was president, but it is beginning to widen between the two men. Russ, I would love to hear your thoughts on William Howard Taft's vice president, Sure. Sonny Jim. It was Sonny Jim. It was actually, his full name is James Schoolcraft Sherman. Wow. I have a note what that a just name. says, what a name. Yeah. That yeah. is a great Schoolcraft. name. Schoolcraft. Schoolcraft. Huh. Yep. I wonder right. if like his mom was a teacher and they honored her by, I don't know, whatever. Keep going. Yeah, I don't know why it was Schoolcraft. Yeah. But speaking of parents, his father's name is Richard Sherman. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Dick Sherman? <laughs> he was yeah. like, Michael Crabtree, yeah. it got nothing on me. Yeah. No, his his last name was probably his mother's maiden name. That's what was part for the course back then. Yeah. His nickname was Sonny Jim because he was so um, congenial, I guess. He was able to play the field between both parties. He was a nice guy to be around. Yeah. Yeah. His grandfather was a Republican, and then his father, Richard Sherman, was a Democrat. So he grew up kind of playing the intermediary. He's definitely a Democrat. <laughs> Did Richard Sherman, the cornerback from the Seahawks, go oh, to Stanford? Oh, you know who this is. <laughs> That's one of the vague sports. I really thought that was going to be one of the references. You were just like, I'm out. I don't get it. Probably from the big Lebowski. <laughs> but he grew up as kind of an intermediary between the two. Okay. Oh, what? Uh, 
Intermittinary. Yeah. Yeah. Russ has had nineteen beers. Nineteen sure. fat tires. <laughs> there was a quote about him that said he was once interested in the things you are interested in. <laughs> Sorry, whoever's listening with headphones on just got the full effect of that laugh. Yeah, but yeah. Wow. He was once, once interested once, in the things, things you are interested in. That huh. means he could talk to you on any subject. Oh, man. Like, oh, he was actually he was interested a in it. Yeah. yeah. What but is that called? I don't know polymath? if it's true. Raconteur. Oh, raconteur, yeah, yeah. No, raconteur is somebody that can tell really good Me, basically. The yeah, eye no. roll Russ just gave. Actually, I named one of the episodes the raconteur. We'll just hold You'll have off to find out what us. it is. So the reason that the party kind of brought him on was yeah. he was friendly with the Speaker of the House at the time, Joe Cannon. Okay. And Joe Cannon was kind of the iron fist of the House, like more than most Speakers of the House. Like it was his law or nothing. Yeah. He couldn't get past it. But he was friendly with Joe Cannon. So Taft said, James, you'll be the messenger boy between... Me and Joe Cannon. Okay. And he was shot down. So Taft said, you're going to be the messenger. And then James Sherman said, I'm not your messenger. I'm your vice president. Hmm. So Taft had to deal directly with Cannon. And because he had to deal directly with him, Blaine might be about to tell you, he started leaning more towards the right. Like he didn't have a buffer between him and Joe. Joe Cannon was not a fan of William Howard Taft. No. At one point... Because so Taft had said he was going to keep all of TR's cabinet and then ended up getting rid of all but three, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And some of them were Democrats. <gasps> what do you say? Yeah. Clutch my pearls. Clutch your pearls. Yeah. Um, I have said that once. You, I was actually about to say you've said that. said it more it than once. It was more than once. <laughs> I hate you guys. Uh, so Joseph Cannon uh, said, the trouble with Taft is that if he were the Pope, he would have some Protestant cardinals. <laughs> huh. Oh, <laughs> all right. No. What any of that means? Okay, what? so you don't know what that means. No, I, mean, I know the, who the the Pope is and what a cardinal is. It's a it's they a elect state, the Pope, right? and you know what a Protestant is, correct? Yeah, they're all Christian, <laughs> right? Wow, it's wow. one big umbrella. <laughs> is that crazy? <laughs> it is though, right? It's not crazy. It's an it's yeah, an some amazing people are going analogy. To be very mad at you, Russ. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. You can take it. <laughs> Go ahead, Russ. So, it's such a wild thing to say. Is it? Go ahead, Russ. For people with our background, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. there are people that are that have smoke coming out of their ears right now to hear yeah. you say that. Oh, because they're electing a pope, and then they burn no. the things. Oh, yeah. There's in their a brain, whole system, though. In their brain, yeah. they're electing a pope. Yeah, different colored smoke. Yeah, yeah. The, the white smoke and the Look, black I've smoke. Look, I've seen... Yeah. Uh, the Fire, and you've seen rain. No, the movie with the um, uh, Tom Hanks and the albino. Oh, if you couldn't see, which none of you can, (laughs) Blaine was flagellating himself with a whip uh, from... Da Vinci Code. Is that Angels and Demons or Da Vinci Code? Whatever. It's all the same thing. Dan Brown writes some good books, by the way. Catholics love him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He's a real John Grisham. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Russ, tell us more about Sonny Sonny Jim. So... He appeared sunny. Like, he was very good about... Disposition. He had... Well, yeah. He appeared to have a sunny disposition, but he was really good at kind of moving the needle because he was conservative. Okay. Where... Taft was more progressive, and he's the one that kind of slowly moved the Taft needle to the conservative side of it. And yeah. as Taft said, 
He said, Sherman's indictment is abrupt and as severe as a schoolmaster in private. Mm. So he had a sunny disposition in public to kind of keep things moving along. But if you crossed him, he was he was fairly severe. And I think nighttime, Jim. Yeah. I mean, it almost seemed like Taft was a little afraid of him from what I read. So it was a combination of Cannon and Sherman that kind of moved Taft away from Teddy. Okay. On a lot of policies huh. like the the Bronson Pinchot thing. That yes. was <laughs> that was part Gifford James <laughs> Sherman. Action Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> Action Bronson Pinchot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. There were uh I think I read there were only like a couple times where Taft was seen crying and both of them involved Roosevelt. When Roosevelt really turned his back on him, there was I mean it really did impact him. I mean he was he was to much of his credit, he had this guy to thank for a lot of his success to getting in office and then Roosevelt just went full tilt anti-Taft, tried to get people to go against him and it was just a bad rift that really did accelerate over time. But Roosevelt wasn't in town during that time, right? No, wasn't he was he, he was, he was sailing up the river of doubt. Yeah, the yeah. river of doubt in Amazon and he was also doing like a safari over in Africa at one point. So well, immediately post presidency was the revert out, which apparently there's a documentary died. or there's a new series on HBO about that. Oh, is there? Yeah. And thank you for your HBO uh, password and username blank. Shh. By the way, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. go watch it. It's I watched like the first three episodes. It's rough. It's, it's not, not good. good. Like the Rough Riders. Aiden, Sex in the City guy plays. Oh yeah, plays Teddy. I love that you I'm know a character from Sex sentence. in the City. Yeah, I'm over two on that sentence. Yeah, you yeah. don't know. Have you ever seen an episode of Sex in the City? No. Oh man, no. I was no. dragged to see Sex in the City two to the Keystone Arts Cinema with my wife, and I was Why the only guy on in the, the planet. <clears throat> would that movie be in an art cinema? I don't know. But that's where it was. That's where it was. No, but here's my question: Is do you think it was kind of a a game of telephone? Also, like at that time, if you're on the you know, the other side of the world or far enough away, yeah. he's only getting snippets mm-hmm. of yeah. what Taft is actually doing. More like a game of telegram, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> no, they had telephones, right? Yeah. Dang yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Some other president was the first to use a telephone. I think uh, Hayes. I also think it doesn't matter. Because it yeah. was the phone. their phone number was one. Yeah. Yeah. From Graham Bell. I don't Alexander. know. I could see Teddy having... A bit of a, a temper and like jumping to conclusions pretty quick. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm, I didn't yeah. read the book. Yeah, I was just no, wondering. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh-huh. so he died of Bright disease. Oh, yeah. A lot Des- of people did back then. Yeah, despite the fact that there were so many treatments for it, like warm baths, mm. bloodletting, oh, opium, uh-huh. ah, laxatives, and mercury. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I don't understand how he died. Do you know why? Thanks, I'm, do you know where uh, the term "Mad Hatter" comes from? Yeah, is it, it from was... that guy? No, no. wasn't it? Um... But when you said Mercury, I thought of it. Yeah, wasn't it the um, the people that painted the faces on watches, or it was from people that? Oh no, it was people that made hats. There it is. And the was it the the glue that they used? Yeah. had mercury in it. Mercury in it. Yeah, and the haberdashers, were... and they were exposed to mercury, which. Messes with your brain a little bit. Yeah. I learned that the women who painted the dials on watches would paint them with radium. Oh, I think boy. that's what it was. Something radioactive. And they would lick the brushes for Yikes. a fine point. Yikes. And they ended up burying them in lead caskets Gosh. so that no one else could 
be irradiated by them because they were so full of radiation. Good gracious. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. No. Don't bring spicy nickel back into this. <laughs> I'm Peyton Watches. I'm Peyton Watches. <laughs> Russ, thank you for the hard work that you did to prepare for this episode, as always. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it, and I know our listeners do too. What was the guy's name again? Sonny J? Sonny Jim. Sonny Jim. Sonny Jim. Schoolcraft. James School. HB Schoolcraft. What was his full name again? James Schoolcraft. James Schoolcraft. Sherman. Sherman. He was okay. not related to any famous Shermans. Like William Tecumseh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The no. dog. <laughs> the dog. Yeah. The cartoon dog. What? What kind of Sherman and Peabody? Oh, oh yeah. Peabody and Sherman. Peabody and Sherman. Yeah. Is I feel like Sherman that's a the cartoon. Dog? No, Mr. Uh, Mr. Peabody was the dog. Oh. Sherman was the boy. <laughs> I feel like that's a cartoon you watch. Yeah. Your great grandparents. There's a Rocky and Bullwinkle. No. Oh, yeah, my yeah, kids yeah. watch it now. You would probably like it because there's a lot of history references in it. They oh, yeah. travel through time and do different history oh, adventures. Cool. Yeah. It's like Bill and Ted. Like they were recently in the French Revolution when I walked in the room and I was like, hold on. <laughs> this is a kid's show. <laughs> <laughs> Our neighbor's kid went uh, on Halloween as Napoleon Bonaparte. And I was like, oh, I should have gone as Napoleon Blown Apart because it's <laughs> Halloween. Like, by 1911, Taft was less active in trust-busting and generally seemed more conservative. In foreign affairs, Taft continued Roosevelt's goal of expanding U.S. foreign trade in South and Central America as well as Asia, and he termed his policy dollar diplomacy. In Taft's conception of foreign policy, the U.S. military was a tool of economic diplomacy. He invited U.S. banks to rescue debt-ridden Honduras with loans and grants, and he even sent nearly 3,000 U.S. Marines to stabilize Nicaragua's conservative pro-U.S. regime when rebels threatened to overthrow its government. So, in that sense, he was still involved with a lot of the policy that was going on in Central America that he inherited from T.R., he also stood up the troops in Texas because there was a revolution in Mexico that might be popping off. So he stood up the troops just like, yep. hey, get ready, like yeah. just in case. Yes, I'm pretty sir. sure that was yeah. that super crazy dude that was like president of Mexico and then he wasn't and then he was the general and then he was president again, if yeah, I'm not was, mistaken. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Santa Ana, like, though, was way before that. Oh, I am thinking of Santa Santana. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Are we going to talk about the Schedule K tariff bill? We can. Or should we take a break first? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's get another beer, and maybe you do too, unless you're driving. So uh, you're listening to episode 27 of the Presequential Podcast. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Ryan. If you are in the market to refinance your mortgage and want an expert to walk you through that process, you need to schedule a call today with Austin Bowman at Caliber Home Loans. Austin's been a friend of mine for years and is one of Caliber's top performing loan consultants with over 14 years of experience and expertise. Austin's number one priority is honesty. He's going to listen to your unique needs and guide you through Caliber's superior processing, underwriting, and closing process. For a smooth, hassle-free process from application to closing on your new mortgage, email Austin Bowman today at austin.bowman, that's B-O-W-M-A-N, at caliberhomeloans.com. You can also find Austin's email in our show notes. Whatever you do, don't ask Austin about the time when he took me out for my first time golfing when we were six and we almost hit a goose with our cart. Guys, email austin.bowman at caliberhomeloans.com today. 
Hey guys, it's Ryan. If you need custom-made t-shirts for your team or organization, look no further than our good friends here in Indy, The Art Press. The Art Press is a local, eco-friendly small business that's been around for years here in Indy, designing and printing all the super comfortable shirts you may have seen through their parent company's store, Vardigan. We've worked with them on our awesome new shirts that feature Thomas Jefferson writing a fire-breathing mastodon, and our experience couldn't have gone better. If you need help creating a design or you have your artwork ready, Ready to print, Derek and the team at The Art Press can help you get your orders set up online quickly and easily. Plus, they ship everywhere and offer excellent customer service. Get a quote on your order of shirts today at theartpress.com. That's theartpress.com. Welcome back to episode 27 The Judge. Greek's Pizzeria. It's our taste. But Roosevelt and many of his allies, gosh, they do make really good pizza, by the way. Let's just back up the train a little bit. Greek's is really, really solid. Facts. Ugh. That white sauce, that chicken, garlic, bacon. Yeah. 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 That's the truth. Mm. Like Paul Pierce. Basketball reference. <laughs> That's a good one. Played for the Celtics, right? Where is he now? His, he's well, he was at ESPN. Uh, oh. His nickname's the truth. He's in the Hall of Fame now. That's where he is now, Ryan. Wow, I'm so <laughs> not up to speed on <clears throat> sports balls. Roosevelt and many of his allies saw Taft's administration as abandoning progressivism. So this basically caused a split in the Republican Party in 1912 with Roosevelt stepping in and forming a rival party called the Bull Moose Party and the progressive Democrat governor of New Jersey, Woodrow Wilson, maybe you've heard of him, was swept into office. So Taft carried only two minor states, Utah and Vermont. Wilson compiled 435 electoral votes to 88 for Roosevelt and 8 for Taft. I mean, they just got annihilated. Yeah, but in 1911, he vetoed this tariff bill. Oh, we're backing up. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, but we always do. Yeah, it's fine. So he vetoed tariff bill in 1911. It had like a section on wool and wool products, and it was called Schedule K, and a song was written about it mm. because there was literally not <laughs> to do in 1911. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're writing a song about a wool bill. Like, <laughs> come on. You're just in the Brill building in <laughs> yeah. New York City. You're like, yeah, well, oh. when Taft broke the thing about special K and we did something about wool. Like, Schoolhouse rocks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's great. Get out of here. That's a really good impersonation of a songwriter in 1911 <laughs> being forced to write a political <laughs> tune. Ha! <laughs> Oh, well, you see. A ah. uh, couple other things that happened that was fun. Yeah. Uh, he visited Kalamazoo, which is in Michigan. And the organizers brought five busloads of patients down from a mental institution. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> the newspaper headline said they were madly enthusiastic. <laughs> These people are out of their minds for William like, Howard Taft. That's the opposite side of there wasn't anything oh, to do gosh. was they, they had fantastic newspaper headlines. <laughs> <laughs> they had no rules to play by back then. Um, he was a, oh, uh, gosh, that's So funny. he actually, the reason I said oh. put a pen in the woman's suffrage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually came out and said he was 
technically against women's suffrage. Yeah. However, at the same time, he named the first woman to a federal position in 1912. Julia Lothrop was the first woman to head a federal position, which was the Children's Bureau, a brand new position at the time. And so he said he was against it. He did promote the movement. I don't know. He was a white guy in the early 1900s. (laughs) (laughs) One of his very close friends, Archie Butt. I don't know Archie Butt. That's not ringing a bell. Well, he died in the Titanic. Oh. And it actually like really bothered him. Wow. Was, it was a death that really stuck with yeah. uh, with Bill. What year was the Titanic? Was that 19... 1912? 12. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I April. would say that there was probably room on that door for Archie, but... <laughs> Not if you're William Howard Taft. That that door well, sure. is sinking. I don't know. Maybe I'm pretty sure. Like the legend says that it, when Archie and Bill stood next to each other, they made the number ten. Oh, so. <laughs> that's sad. So he was on the Titanic, and he was his buddy, and he died, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sad. His VP died while in office. He did October 1912. We didn't. I don't think we talked about that. In of your Bright's disease. Oh yeah. Oh, that's but right. you didn't say it was while he was in office. Yeah, Russ, why didn't you tell us that? He, while he was in end. office, but he was also running for re-election. Got it. Yeah, it was and in Bright's the disease, I think, back then was like a kidney thing, right? It still is. Oh, is it still around? Yeah. I mean, it's still a kidney disease. Well, yeah. didn't we decide it's what we now call Crohn's disease? I think that's what we said. I don't, I don't know if we <laughs> looked it confirmed. up. I don't know if that's... Look, I've... It, I've that just, is what we said, though. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. So the Bull Moose Party yeah, let's talk came about in that. third in 1912. <laughs> yeah, only eight electoral votes. Yikes. No, I'm sorry, 88 electoral votes. The Bull Moose actually did okay. Taft did horribly, and Wilson just cleaned Well, yeah, shot. I mean, he's going up against, probably to that point, the most popular president of all time. Yep. But he is splitting some of the vote from the hardline conservatives, right? Well, Taft and Roosevelt combined, their popular vote was more than Wilson's. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's, but what I'm saying is like, he, of course he's coming in third here. Right. Cause yeah. all of the regular Democrats are going to vote for Wilson. Correct. The kind of middle ground people yeah. that are on the fence, they really like President Roosevelt are going to yeah. vote for Roosevelt. Progressives are going to vote for Roosevelt. Yeah. And then hardline conservatives are going to vote for Taft. Yeah. Yeah. Only Utah Which is and weird, Vermont like, is what Taft he Taft did do some relatively progressive things. Yeah. But like, I mean, we just. Yeah, he's a one-termer, and he's between Roosevelt and Wilson, essentially. Well, actually, during his time in office, the last two contiguous states of the Union were added, bringing the total up to 48 states, New Mexico and Arizona, both in 1912. Also, the 16th Amendment was passed during his administration that allowed the U.S. to collect income taxes. So there's that for him. Well, after he left the White House, Taft spent his time as a professor of constitutional law at Yale, his alma mater, and a proponent of international peacekeeping organizations. Within nine months of leaving the White House, he lost some major league weight, 70 pounds, and he kept it all off, completely taking out bread, potatoes, fish, wine, liquor, tobacco, and pork. Quote, he said, I can truthfully say that I have never felt any younger in all of my life. Name the things he got out. Bread, bread, potatoes. Fish, wine, liquor, tobacco, and pork. He said, too much flesh is bad for every man. Okay, so let's talk about what he did eat. Because I feel like we we cut out a lot of the main food groups. Carbs. No, no, what did he eat? Oh, what did he eat? He ate beef, chicken. Is that right? Does it say anything about shellfish? Because it sounds like a kosher diet. No. I don't know. He was connected to some doctor, whether he was European or American, who like had him tracking 
his daily activity. It was basically like my fitness pal back in the early 1900s. He was like, you need to keep a log. It was the Atkins. <laughs> everything you're eating, everything you're doing physically. Fun fact. The Atkins and how much guy, you weigh. The Atkins guy yeah. died of a heart failure. He did. Yikes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Ooh. Hilarious. But yeah. people still follow that diet. Yeah. Well, I do know something that he ate was almonds. He was known to consume a pound of oh, almonds in a single to... sitting. Yeah, I get Close it. to like 3,000 calories. <laughs> um, he basically... Good source of protein, correct? Yeah, maybe vitamins and minerals, maybe some proteins. Yeah. Yeah, but like when you're eating a pound of them in a single sitting, you're going to pack on yeah, some weight. Super so. healthy. Yeah. Well, he was 6'2 and 332 pounds, I think at his heaviest. So he was just defensive lineman. Yeah, but he didn't play football, so <laughs> eesh, yikes. In June 1921, following the death of the Chief Justice, whom Taft had actually appointed 11 years earlier, President Warren Harding had a chance to fulfill Taft's life ambition. The nomination was met with almost unanimous support, and Taft took the oath of office of Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in July 1921. So he finally reached his lifelong goal. Yeah, he did. It just took him a while. So while he was Chief Justice, uh, Taft became the first and only person to lead two branches of government, and the only former president to date to swear in subsequent presidents, his fellow conservatives Coolidge and Hoover. Taft was so happy with his nine years on the bench that he once noted, quote, I don't remember that I ever was president, end quote. That's interesting that he's the only one that's led two branches of government. Because you would think that there would have been somebody that would have led the legislative branch and then became president. Right. Or I guess, is it possible to lead the legislature? Because yeah, there's two different know. houses. There's yeah. the House and the Senate. So. Closest thing would be like, I don't know, Speaker of the House and President. Yeah, which has definitely happened, right? Yeah. But I guess has you it? can't really say that you're the head of the legislative branch because there's two distinct. It's a bicameral body. Oh. Yeah. That's Look the, at you. Yeah, you watched some C-SPAN yeah, recently. It's a $5 word. That's kind of cool. Uh, he resigned as chief justice on February 3rd, 1930. Returning to D.C. after his resignation, he barely had enough physical or emotional strength to sign a reply to a letter of tribute from the eight associate justices on the court. He died at his home in Washington, D.C. <laughs> what? Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> 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 That's actually a good point. How was he on the Supreme Court if he's fallen asleep every oh, five man. minutes for 15 Although minutes? Although if you've been looking forward to it your entire life, you're fighting off that fatigue, man. You're like, I got to stay awake for this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got to stay awake for this. Oh, there he goes again. Uh, prohibition's good, bad. Res good, bad. ipsa loquitur. Um, maybe it's corpus. Racist. Anybody got any almonds? <laughs> He died at his home in Washington, D.C. on March 8th, 1930, at age 72, likely of heart disease, inflammation of the liver, and high blood pressure. His last words, like you've pointed out, Blaine, that I like to try to share, they weren't recorded for posterity, so we don't know what he said. Well, he was buried at Arlington National Cemetery. His funeral was the Two first... Two plots. Huh? Two... Oh, stop. <laughs> stop it. That's really mean. <laughs> His funeral was the first presidential funeral broadcast on the radio. Taft and Kennedy are the only presidents buried at Arlington. Do you remember, either of you, who owned the land that Arlington was on before it became Arlington National Cemetery? Famous historical figure. He was not a president. I think a very famous Virginian. Aaron Burr. Robert no. E. Lee. Oh, of oh. course. There it is. 
His wife, Nellie. You know, Aaron Burr's from New York. Yeah. Garbage human. His wife, Nellie, lived for another 13 years. She was the only woman to be both first lady and wife of a chief justice. <laughs> of course. Well, there you go. Duh. Well, you know what, Blake? <laughs> it had never been done before. Sorry. That you... <laughs> His children her... were the only children to yeah, have been ahead. children of a president and a chief justice. You don't say. <laughs> uh, while Taft's presidency left a mark on the organization and the conduct of the executive branch and developed the administration of antitrust policy, his public leadership has been widely seen as below average for 20th century presidents. According to C-SPAN's Presidential Historian Survey, Taft currently sits at number 23 below Andrew Jackson and above Calvin Coolidge. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Below Go Andrew ahead. Jackson? Below Andrew Jackson, yeah. Okay, I would argue he's a higher character individual than Andrew Jackson. Okay, well, that's uh, they measure it on a number of I different understand metrics. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know that you look through the lens of character at these try presidents. To. All right, let's finish this sentence. William Howard Taft is the reason the United States of America. Dot dot dot. Russ, what about you? Laid the way for Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> that's not at all what I thought you were going to say. That's great, Blaine. What about you? <laughs> I mean, bathtub jokes. I don't know. Yeah. The, I mean, we made a pretty good one with Quincy's alligator. Oh, man. <laughs> Gosh. That was such a funny and for story. For our OG fans, they're yeah. like, oh, I've been looking forward to this because yeah. of the one reference yeah, in episode another, five. Yeah. <laughs> Way back when. Gosh. Six. Six. That was five, a long time ago. Whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Not anymore. I think. Gosh. I don't know. I mean, has an income tax. Has New Mexico well, and Arizona? I just don't know yeah, what those legacy are boring. he has. I, know. I mean, but and you also wouldn't have known that. No. And also, I would argue we would have gotten an income tax and New Mexico and Arizona, no matter who was. It like, would have happened if it was at some William point. Jennings Bryan. Yeah, it would have happened. Let's think politically, though. Like, what's the political legacy of? Because progressivism. Bull Moose Party that died out by, I think, like 1914. I think that was gone. Socialism is starting to work its way up. It's sort of a minor third party, fourth party. Well, socialism existed before this. Sure, I know. Not here, but elsewhere. I mean, it started really, he was the last Republican president for a while. Mm, uh, no, Hoover. Okay, but at least the next and eight years? Was Coolidge a Republican? He was conservative. Yeah, he was Republican. So he was not the last Republican president for a while. But it was a lot of Republicans up to that point until the Democrats. But this is also where we're starting to see some like shifting of the tides. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had a Republican president in TR that was for conservation and progressive like policies and things like that. This is starting this is where we're starting to see the the tide shift where the conservatives yeah. moved the Republican Party and the progressives right. moved the Democratic Party. Yeah. And I know that we talked to Charlie about that and he said it was a little bit more fluid than that, but I'm pretty convinced that it happened right around the TR Taft area. Charlie now, from granted, the Benjamin Harrison home. Charlie knows way more about this than I do. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, it's literally his job. Okay, so let's talk about this bathtub myth because we started the episode. That's that's what a lot of it has heard about. I mean, many of us, you know, the three of us, that's all we knew that he got stuck in a bathtub apparently while he was in office. His size had made him the subject of countless jokes, such as one, quote, Taft was the most polite man in Washington. One day he gave up his seat on a streetcar to three women. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know who said that, but that was a joke. So basically, there's no real hard evidence that this actually happened, that he got stuck in a bathtub. Uh, But there is one bathroom session involving Taft that is true. So he entered a hotel tub in 1915. He's a former president at this point. And he apparently failed to take displacement into effect. And so he gets in this tub and a tsunami of water instantly pours out, seeps through the floor, and starts dripping all over people's heads on the level beneath him. He was briefly oh, humiliated. Bathtub water but on he, your head. Yeah, bath water mm-hmm. from the president, former <sighs> president. He made light of it, though. He looked out at the Atlantic Ocean shortly thereafter and equipped, quote, I'll get a pee... Oh, I need to be William Howard Taft. <laughs> like I was saying five minutes ago. I'll get a piece of that fenced in someday. And then I venture to say there won't be any overflow. You just changed your voice. I didn't change it. No, he didn't. But he did wake up from a... a I woke up. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually requested an extra large tub once he was elected. There was a company in New York that made him a seven-foot-long, 41-inch wide tub that weighed 2,000 pounds, one ton. And it was literally, up to that point, the largest solid porcelain tub ever made for an American. Just a big old tub. Wow. 2,000... Three and a half feet wide. Yeah. There's a picture that it's got like three or four guys who are part of the tub company like sitting in it. He loved to bathe. Well, so it wasn't wrong when they said when he got up, three women could sit there. Yeah, he was large. He may not have gotten stuck in a tub, but I imagine he had a lot of trouble getting out of tubs. He probably did. Yeah. Yeah. I also, being being a poor golfer (laughs) myself, was trying to imagine this size human... (laughs) Swing golf club. Yeah. Like I... Well, I... <laughs> the name of the walrus. The sound the walrus made. Um, <laughs> I just... I Because so much of it is being on a pendulum. Right. And I don't understand how... Like, like I, like I don't understand how John Daly swings a golf club. Yeah, with his size, this is an additional yeah. person. Yeah, six two attached to John Daly. It's large. Three forty. But when 40. he connects, right? If oh, he man. connects. Oh. That well, but gotta... I don't think he can get far enough back. He's the Billy I don't Taft think that Madison. He can have the backswing <laughs> yeah. to be able to let the club come down. Like it, he's got to be all arms. Mm. Yeah. And so if he's all arms, then he's that that explains why he's taking twenty seven strokes because it's only going to go like forty yards. <laughs> Good shot, Mister President. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get into some little known facts, shall we? Sure. Little known facts. There's, there's one that I that there. was. This isn't really a little known fact. It yeah. was just something I didn't get to bring up earlier. Okay. Go ahead. He had a really hard time finding a minister to China, and when he finally did. The guy's name was Charles Crane. Crane came out publicly and made a bunch of anti-Japanese, pro-Russian, and anti-Semitic comments. So oh he was fired before leaving. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. That didn't last long. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Who, that, wasn't there some stuff that we've seen with like that recently? Like people got hired and then were immediately fired before they even started the job. Like wasn't there a like strength and conditioning coach with the Jaguars recently that happened to? Oh, I thought that's that's not a reference you're going to get. I, I don't know Sorry, that at I all. I thought you were alluding to the Trump presidency and how he would like immediately hire and fire <laughs> just, people. 
He's like, you're fired. And they're like, that guy runs the KKK website. And they're like, never mind. You're out. Oh, gosh. There's some foreshadowing for our Trump episode. Hey, future... We've we've left this problem to like future us to figure out how we're going to cover the we modern still haven't presidencies. Figured it out. We haven't figured out anything past H-Dub. Yeah, we really haven't. But That's a future us but problem. But future us will find it out. Like, probably less than a year from right now yeah, we're yeah. gonna have to have figured that out <laughs> we're gonna fig- someone's gotta have to write a semi-unbiased book about w obama trump or we're gonna have to change Biden. the rules <laughs> <laughs> that's right all right so uh taft was the first president to own a car and the last president to rock a mustache between the lincoln and taft administrations all but two presidents boasted some sort of facial hair. But since Taft left the White House in 1913, clean-shaven candidates have reigned supreme. Really? Yeah. It's time to announce my candidacy. <laughs> you have a very Ted Lasso mustache going on right now. And it's, I'm old enough. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you are. How old do you have to be, 35? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Nellie Taft, speaking of hair, Nellie Taft was inexplicably creeped out, Russ, I'm sorry, by bald men. Nellie declared that all waiters in the White House must have hair, and she banned all bald-headed butlers from the dining room. I mean, that seems counterintuitive. Like, somebody that's serving you food, I mean, you would want them to have hair. Yeah. Yeah. She was harassed. Yeah. Yeah. Baldest. (laughs) All waiters must have hair. Mm. Taft was the first president to throw an opening pitch in 1910. Oh, that goes back to the last episode. So Uh he took the golden ticket from the Washington Senators. So they built an entire, like, thing for the president to come to every game and because they knew that roosevelt hated baseball Mm. and they actually made a golden ticket that they put it out of gold candy bars that that was no 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 charlie found it It yeah his His uncle there's grandpa Grandpa, joe Joe. such a loser okay they made a real ticket out of what he was. He couldn't get out of bed to look for a job, but as soon as they were going on a tour of a candy company, he's dancing around the living room. Get yeah. out of here! Yeah, he I was. I'm gonna go Yeah, the smell must. The oh. 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 So they made an actual ticket out of gold. Yeah, like for the president season ticket, we made this press box for you. Mm. And I kind of think that the reason that he played so much golf and went to so much baseball games was because he knew those were the two things Roosevelt hated the most. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? All right. Yeah. I'll play we, your game. Yeah, we do think of like Roosevelt being the aggressor in that. But Taft Although I'm probably gonna had need a two seats at the game. <laughs> oh, is uh Mrs. Nellie Taft joining you? No, no. I'm gonna need three seats for the game. Oh because she yes, she is. Is one of your sons joining nope, you as well? Two for me. I need you to remove the armrest. Oh, oh, sir, I see what you're saying. In 1910, Walter Johnson managed to catch a ball that President Taft threw from the stands at the beginning of a game between the Washington Senators and the Philadelphia Athletics. Wait, did he throw the opening pitch from the stands? I, he didn't I, come out? I, I, I think I think okay. he threw it to the catcher from the stands. Or maybe right. Walter Johnson might have been a pitcher. I don't know. Walter this, Johnson was a famous baseball player. The this does this began... You seem old... confused about something. He was from yeah. the stands. No, I mean... I had the same question you did. Did he throw the opening pitch from the stands? No, then... that actually makes sense to me. Okay. Like, because I feel like I remember that used to be the tradition. Yeah, okay. they threw it from the stands. There was a like VIP a first in a VIP line. section that would throw the ball out onto the field. Yeah. 
I wonder not who from the, the outfield. Ooh, here we go. No, no, no. They were sitting like right behind a dugout. Producer oh, okay. Russ. Like right next to the home field dugout, they would throw it. I haven't asked you to look anything up in this episode yet. Could pre- Producer Russ, <laughs> could you please look up who the first president was to throw the first pitch from no, the mound? No, it would have been him. From the mound. From the mound. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. George W. Bush after 9-11, and it was a strike. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, this began an opening day tradition that still stands today. I feel like we just learned something about Russ. <laughs> the only oh, two. <laughs> do you guys want to take a guess at the only two presidents who have not thrown an opening pitch since Taft? One is very recent. There's Trump, a, for okay. sure. There's okay. no way. There's one. There's okay. no... Just the thought of... Who's Jimmy the Carter? Doing... Yeah, there it is. Jimmy what? Carter. Really? Carter and Trump. He's a huge Braves fan. That was a total guess. Well, you got huh. it. The government's judicial branch didn't always meet in the majestic, beautiful building that we have seen today. Before 1935, the Supreme Court issued its rulings from various rooms inside the Capitol building. Chief Justice Taft changed all that, though. He lobbied Congress to give the court its own separate building at a cost at the time of $10 million. Taft is even on the facade of the Supreme Court, but he is depicted as a boy. Not the large man many of us remember him being. Just a large boy. Just a large boy dreaming of becoming Supreme Court Justice, Chief Justice one day. Yeah, so he's actually, he does have a, I don't know if it's marble or limestone or whatever, but he's up there. He's up there. They actually used, like, the picture of John Belushi from Animal House wearing the toga. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, no, this is a child. Yeah, William Howard Taft. Oh, yeah. Uh, His son, Robert, was an influential senator known as Mr. Republican. He's going to come up in future episodes quite a bit. Yeah. And Taft's great-grandson, William Howard Taft IV, worked for both Presidents Reagan and George W. Bush. Mm, Shocking. So, I mean, his... Actual lineage, so they're uh, less. Okay. Yeah, yeah, got it. So they just uh, continued to go right. Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> like Grandpa found some sort of center, and they were like, "Now nah, we're going to go this way. Let's keep, let's keep going. See what's <laughs> over here." Since 2006, caricatures of Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt have been sprinting across the Washington Nationals' yeah. home field <laughs> and into the hearts of DC sports fans. But and uh, Teddy Ro- Roosevelt was never allowed to win. Why not? That was no, that was like a rule. Oh, that was a thing. That was a rule, and so they they started this website called like LetTiddyWin.com. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, huh. and it was that. like 2018 yeah. or something before they finally like let like that was the there were very few rules wow. about this president race. I didn't know, and that. one of them was Teddy Roosevelt is never allowed to win because he hated baseball. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. And so like there <laughs> became this huge huge movement to let, let Teddy win. win. Yeah. Can you imagine? Being That's like, actually a really fast. Like, if you're listening, look that up. That's yeah. a really funny like thing oh, that the, man, the that Nationals did. That's like Jackson hating paper money, and then they put him on the twenty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Taft though was added to the roster of those running okay. giant characters in 2013, and Andy Pfeffer from the Nationals said, "quote He might even give Teddy a run for his money one day." Have you ever seen that? Like a video of that, yeah. Oh, it's it's really funny. It's really funny. That actually, like, I think with our next sponsorship money, oh, uh, yeah. we take a trip to Virginia and DC and yeah. go to a national game. And Russ that gets trip. his way into the Taft one. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> the first president to throw a pitch from the mound. Yes. Who do you think it was? Uh, okay, so if we're going Taft, hold on. it definitely wasn't FDR. 
No. <laughs> but he did throw out a first pitch. From the mount? Not from the mound. Okay, yeah. He threw out cause... two, I think. I think the second hit the pitcher in the leg, or the catcher in the leg. <laughs> he was like, you, you want to see what it's like for me? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's so dark. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Okay, so you gave away some of it, right? Did so I? if it was after FDR. Yes. You did give that away. Uh-huh. All right. It seems so. like a Kennedy thing to do. Okay. Mm. I'm going to go Kennedy. No, I'm going LBJ. That yeah. seems like a very LBJ, like, now oh, we're going out. We're going Maverick. Here we go. It was Ronald Reagan in wow. 1988 Whoa. in Wrigley Field. Whoa. Yeah. Very recent. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. He also threw from the mound when he was governor of California at a Oakland A's game. Okay. But the first president, a lot of people think that Clinton was the first, but okay. Reagan was at Wrigley. Any other fun facts that you guys found or uh, read about? I did think it was interesting as a lame duck, like after yeah. he uh, he yeah. watched Congress first debate prohibition. Huh. So one of the things that I, I don't know hmm. if it's lost on people is how long prohibition lasted. Yeah. Like, because I think in my brain, at least it was like three or four years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like 40 years. Gosh. Wild. It was pre-1900 to like 1932 wow. or something like that. I mean, and I'm yeah. spitballing, but it, like it was way longer than you think it was. Mm. Prohibition, like I think in textbooks, it just comes across as like, well, they said you couldn't drink and then everybody got mad and you could drink it. Yeah, yeah. It was like decades long. Yeah. He saw the very first debate on prohibition. He also struck down an immigration law that would have required a literary test. And his argument was that immigrants only do manual labor that our citizens don't want to do. This is when he was chief justice? Is that what you're saying? No, this was when he was the lame duck president. Oh, okay. Huh. Clearly, we've gotten well past that argument. (laughs) Uh, I did learn something. I learned something that was very funny. When they were looking for vice presidential candidates... Yes. They would, they reached out to quite a few before they got to Sherman, but to kind of like curry favor with these key Republicans. Yeah. (laughs) What they would do, because they didn't want them as actual vice presidents, but they wanted to offer the vice presidency to them. Yeah. So they would, they would call them up on the phone. They would offer the vice presidency to them. And before they could answer, they'd hang up the phone. (laughs) I swear to God. That's great. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That's what did he say? I don't know. You didn't give him any time. I just hung up on it. I think he said no. And then this dude's running around his town going, I'm going to be the vice president. They called. I said yes. God, that's great. Oh, that's fun. I love it. Well, friends, thank you for listening to the Presequential Podcast brought to you by Greeks Pizzeria, Austin Bowman with Caliber Home Loans and Chop Chop Barbershop, as well as the NDR Press. Check out our world-famous fire-breathing Mastodon shirt that you can get at ryansongs.com. If you love this episode, please subscribe, follow us wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review. We love to read them, especially the negative ones, and connect with us on all the socials at Presequential. Our next episode on 28th President Woodrow Wilson is going to come out on Wednesday, January 19th, 2022 the first of the new year. If you love this podcast, you want to get episodes early, ad-free, and you want to get bonus episodes, go to patreon.com slash presequential. That link is in our show notes. We hope you enjoyed episode 27, The Judge on William Howard Taft, the Presequential Podcast.